Hello and welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and dunks on one of the most important areas of wrestling history. I am your host Dave, and today we'll be covering Bash at the Beach in 1998, and I couldn't take on an event like this with such superb athletes without my own athletes. And first, Fergus Looney, how are you doing? I should have actually bought alcohol for this. <laughs> I've forgotten the scale with which it's necessary to get through some of these. I'm good, though. I'm very, very good. I'm saving my alcohol for later on. It bodes well, right? <laughs> and of course, Connor O'Donnell, how are you keeping? Uh, Dave, n- normally I would say I'm good and I'm looking forward to the show, but I think this show was just hot hot garbage i mean like this has to be like the worst non-outdoor pay-per-view i think we've watched as far as like crowd enthusiasm has been Mm. and i like i don't blame them one bit for anything but i think it's like strange coming off the biggest hype from the goldberg nitro which was like the hottest crowd in company history and to this show we had empty seats on the hard camera for maybe the entire show like what the hell yeah, I when? don't. I don't like slamming the show too much before we begin. Usually, like to keep. That's the suspense, why I want to do it for this one. I'm just like, yeah, we we have to get is... out of the way. Like, this is <laughs> probably the worst crowd. And it, oh, it's so bad. My notes for almost every match, like, why is the crowd so dead right now? Like, I don't get it. In fairness, the wrestlers don't give them much to get heated up either. In, exactly. I I don't blame them. That's why I don't like to harp on about it. But it was just is very weird coming off of a show where one bump and people go ah, you're so cool it, yeah no. it, uh, usually at this point i'd uh, throw it over to, uh, to one of the guys for night recaps since they do the hard work for me but if you listen to our last episode we did the goldberg winning the world championship nitro and it went over most of the nitros and thunders and feuds i think there's only one thunder between the nitro we covered and this pay-per-view Mm-hmm. so Just there's not much for us to cover that uh we haven't already so we're not going to waste your time by repeating ourselves we're going to jump right into the show. Intro's aged real poorly, like Matrix effects poorly. They're doing a bunch of static and glitches and over like these beach kind of vibes and it's techno-y and it's grating and it's awful. And it also illustrates the worst thing about this pay-per-view that the world champion, who is your hottest commodity, is already second and taking a backseat to non-wrestlers. I just love the production on this thing. When I say love, I mean, it's, it's awful, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the voice distortion modulation. It sounds like an effect from like a ministry song, like the vocal yeah, tracks. Yeah, it really does, yeah. It's just like comical industrial vibe with 
has like seagull samples and it's like on <laughs> the beat and everything. It's it's just the, what were they thinking with the this editor one? is trying to give a hard out for the casual viewer because it's literally saying this is going to be a tire fire. Why not have a seizure right now? Uh, (laughs) because my eyes go like right in the back of my head because it's just flashing imagery constantly it it doesn't explain anything for the pay-per-view either so if you didn't know what was going on good luck figuring it out from that one i think that was another frustrating aspect about this show For, for some reason the storytelling and like the production just like took a complete dive Compared to, again, the, the Nitro, like they had a sensible plan. Here it is. And they like laid it out nicely. Here it's just like, ah, we're, we're going to take the night off on that. Yeah, this, this feels like one of the early pay-per-views we covered. Opposed to like one of the newer ones where production has steadily been stepping up. This feels like a big step backwards. The commentary team for the night is Shivani, Heenan, and Tanay. Uh, all in their finest fat party animal Hawaiian shirts. And Shivani... No, uh, yeah, no tuxes this time. No tuxes this yeah. time yet. Shivani uh, starts by telling us... The one match in the world that uh, no one can stop talking about is Malone and DDP versus Hogan and Rodman. This is super ironic as Tanay is then drowned out by Goldberg chance by the crowd. <laughs> no Rodzilla chance, I guess. Uh, th- and th- this does feel like a lot of the pay-per-view where obviously this connection for WCW is so important and these are two athletes that like it's absurd to think of this happening nowadays. They are in the top of their sport. But they want you to feel like it's the most important match where I think people are still very much on the Goldberg train for a lot of this show. They've done a hard sell for the last month on this. Like They're hardly going to stop now. Keep na- the name check literally every regular mainstream media presence you can think of to try and put over how important it is. But Yeah, it was impressive. Uh, Tanae rattling off all the mainstream media that was there. Were they there? Dave, mm. honestly, they were <laughs> they we were know? talking about it for sure. <laughs> they throw it over to Mean Gene, who is in a less sensational white tux uh, on the amazingly I love the, the just the amazingly tacky Bash at the Beach stage. I love it so much. Vintage, that's great. I think it's yeah. great. Oh, yeah. it's so good. The sand, the dock leading to nowhere, the lifeguard chair. Just oh, it, remi- it reminds me so much of WCW. This set and Halloween Havoc are probably our two favorites, right? That we, mm. It seems like we always are in favor of those two because all the other pay-per-views, very bland. The WCW versus NWO game always made me think that all of their stages were as cool and wacky as these. And I've been very, this has been one of the most disappointing things about doing this <laughs> podcast, that they're just normal most days of the year. Opening your eyes. Match number one of the night, and it is Raven versus Perry Saturn in a Raven's Rules match. This feud, we don't have to delve into too much. It is the ongoing mash of flockness that is the mid-card in WCW at the moment. Uh, Perry, uh, down to the ring, we've noted before that he has his own music separate from the flock now, but also kind of more familiar with how we've seen him in his WWF run. He has a closer shaved head. He's not grungy anymore. He just has his normal kind of trunks. This is uh, looking closer to Radicals, Perry, to me. Yeah, this is how I remember him. Much better. Mm. Yeah, he looks, it, it suits him more. He, again, everyone but Raven just looked like they were pretending to be grunge in that group. So th- maybe Kidman as well looks fine. This is a lot sharper for Saturn. Saturn doesn't let Raven get his uh, full entrance, who is out with uh, Riggs and Lodi. This is a very uh, typical of, uh, Raven and Saturn match. Very brawly at the start. I love the way Raven takes bumps into the barricades when he gets whipped into them. He just trolls his whole damn back in there. No way that, that's safe or feels good. Looks great. Yeah. 
<laughs> it does look amazing. It's, it reminds me of Foley hitting the steps with his knees or and going and flipping over them. Little touches like that really make characters feel a lot more real. Though saying that immediately as they brawl back inside the ring, Dave's most hated thing, a ref calling for a rope break in a no DQ match. It just A no DQ Ravens rules, rules match. match. Yeah. How, how, Ravens- do you, how do you explain that one, Dave? <laughs> maybe maybe the Maybe the rules are there are no rules except Raven gets rope breaks. And that's why it's called a Raven's rules match. I don't know. I'm I'm starting to get a bit annoyed by Raven's rules. I like I think he genuinely has starting the best, to? <laughs> <laughs> but like he genuinely has the best contract I've ever heard of in the in the wrestling world. And he's never close to the world title. <laughs> yeah, r- rivals Hulk Hogan. It's that weird, like, they turn set up. He doesn't care about anything. He just cares about inflicting pain with his style of match. Yeah, whatever. Like, he Why would you sign him? He can literally call for any match on the planet he wants. <laughs> and they would just go, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one. And it is starting to get a bit frustrating. And mostly because of consistency. As long, if it was consistently something, then I'd be happy. But, like... The no DQ match that randomly has other rules slapped to it has just not been fun, I think. This match is a little slow-paced, and uh, I've complimented Saturn before on some of his stuff, but he was, like, a little sloppy. He has a botch where he, like, falls off the top rope. He recovers pretty fast, and I'm glad he wasn't hurt, but it... Yeah, yeah that was scary. It was kind of scary because he just completely slips, and he just managed to land on his feet, and he looks as surprised as the fans were that he was he doesn't have a broken leg, like... I'm surprised he doesn't have a broken neck with the Russian leg sweep Raven does into the guardrail. Oh, into the guardrail. Mm. It's it, it's a cool-looking spot, but it's so gross. He just nails him into the guardrail. After this, uh, we get Nick Patrick getting pulled in the way of a big boot by Saturn. Why is with, there a ref bump? Yeah, it's a no-DQ match. I don't know why there's a ref bump. Nick Patrick. Fucking... Come on. <laughs> I also have to watch Nick Patrick act as if he's a Shakespearean actor drinking poison. Just gripping, <laughs> just gripping the the ring ropes and falling, so, uh, slowly falling while clutching I mean, like his. At chest, least there's like, some acting involved, unlike Perry staring at somebody setting up a table. Yeah. <laughs> out, out, out! Brief candle. As Nick Patrick hits the deck, uh, yeah, no need for him to be down. Like people were literally in the ring before this, like interfering. I have, I have no idea what's going on. They set up a table spot where Raven is on the table on the outside that's already been set up. Saturn stacks another table on top of him, which makes no sense. Why would that hurt him more? Surely that's going to cushion the impact. And then he goes to the top rope. Canyon runs down and pulls Raven between from between the sandwich, let's call it, the table sandwich. And Perry just stands there for... He might still be standing there to today. And then realizes the spot has been blown. You can see it in his dead eyes that the spot has been blown. And he's like, well, fuck it. I just have to jump anyway and just jumps and bounces off the first table. Neither of them break and falls to the floor. It's like his signals on delay. He has like a 56 K yeah. modem or something. Like yeah. that. It's awful. And in, in his defense a little, they like Canyon just does it way too fast. Canyon and Raven just blow the spot and he just doesn't know what to do. So he's like, it's the second time the table's fucked him up like there there takes so long to put that table together that perry is standing in the ring staring at him yeah he doesn't yeah. do anything I just it's like it's bewitching him or something i don't know <laughs> but it's control. real bad it's so so bad also why does canyon do that there's no there's no logic and the ref the announcers are like 
What, what, what's he talking about? Well, maybe he just wants to beat him up himself. Get, get, get his finisher over. That's the only thing I can think yeah, of. Yeah, he flatlines yeah. Raven onto the chair. It's kind of like, don't you hurt Raven. I'll hurt Raven. <laughs> it, it, I think it's it's very um, it's very swervy. It's very like, oh, it looks like Canyon's back with Raven. Oh, no, he's not. None of us thought he was back with Raven. There's not been any tension there. He hates Raven. The whole thing is he just likes attacking Raven. Why would he be back with him? It, oh, it makes no sense. The cronies roll Saturn back into the ring, but he kicks out after Raven gets the cover. I don't know why Raven is doing the covering instead of the other way around. Raven's just taking a finisher onto a chair. Saturn looks like he's going to win the match after fighting back a bit. When Riggs runs into the ring again, he gets a DVD for his trouble, but this gives Raven enough chance to recover and hit an even flow DDT for the win. Garbage. On this. (laughs) Uninspiring opening for a WCW match. Garbage. The pay per view match. Yeah. I guess the only thing I liked was Lodi's attire. Because he usually has like no shirt on and like the leather black pants, but yeah. he had like a he had like a straw hat on and like you know fun shirt on. He reminded he me of the like hat guy at EC the ECW. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think this is annoying because both men could just have a fine normal singles match, and I'm kind of sick as an ECW guy saying this. I'm kind of sick of just watching Raven hit people with chairs and have weird botched endings. But that's what he wanted. Right. Like, well, this, was, this match was. also just mirrors the pre uh, in our previous yeah. episode. It just I can't tell you what the difference is between this one and the last no, one. There isn't. No, uh, from from two guys that are up and coming and great mid carders at the moment, or, or just really inspired. <sighs> that's 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 a bit that's optimistic. There, I don't think they're great. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah, the uh, crowd doesn't help them anyway in the slightest. To doesn't care about any of it. Um, no, it, it just doesn't work. They they just sit on their hands and they occasionally. Occasionally react when there's like a big spot and then they go back to sitting on their hands. And, and that's why I brought it up in the beginning. This angle seems to be okay with the fans because I know at Fall Brawl, it does get a good, a really good pop. Uh, may- maybe I'm just remembering incorrectly, but I don't think so. So I, I think this, when this feud finally concludes at some point, it, it will, uh, it will feel good. I think it's also, the feud is just bit, I don't want to say it goes over the heads of people. It's just like, it's not very obvious what it's about anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, 100%. 100% so it, it, there isn't like a real clear goal as to why they're fighting each other. Like they could have just gone their separate ways and nobody would have really cared, I don't think. I Yeah, there just doesn't need to be much more than both these guys hate Raven, but also don't like each other. So it leads to a three-way match at some stage. But they want to add, they keep adding more layers of will they, won't they, who's on whose side kind of thing. It doesn't need it. It's just three mid-carders that hate each other. That could have a good match. Why does it need to be more than that? I don't know. Mean Gene calls out Eddie to the stage. Gene uh, says that Chavo fighting Stevie Ray before he fights Eddie in a hair versus hair match is unfair. Eddie's promo here is unfortunately a bit poor. He does have a good point, but he's stumbling a lot over his words. He says he was concerned uh, about Chavo and fighting him, but he, since Chavo's accepted Stevie's challenge, Chavo must definitely be nuts. And he's going to frog splash him and send him home to mama and shave his head. The only enjoyable part of this for me was me and Gene referencing he knew more than anybody else about hair versus hair matches. <laughs> he just knows how precious they are, you know. Yeah. Enjoy it while you can. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, uh, I'm full of praise for Eddie at this era of his career. But that promo was uh, was hard. It was hard to watch. Next match, and this one could be a really good one on paper, uh, Juventud Guerrera versus Kidman. Kidman's debut on a pay-per-view on the podcast. We've seen him interfere a lot and itch a lot. 
But uh, yeah, this see- is this is vintage mm. Kidman looking. A yeah. lot less scratching. Describe it in magic terms. He's wearing the Anka Anka Mishra symbol on this shirt. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. I- He's wearing his cleanest pair of dirty jeans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> his fake Pearl Jam song is great. Oh, it's Smashing Pumpkins all the way. <laughs> you think it's pu- Pumpkins? Yeah, it's what song pumpkins. does he have? I, I can't. I can't remember. It's really like uh, the end is the end. I think the end is the beginning of the end, kind of. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's sure, a good sure. call. That's a good call. Yeah. I I really like his rip off song, to be honest. Uh, oh, it's good. Honest. It is. Yeah. It's it's good. I don't know how it replies to him as a character, but it's a good song. Hoovy <laughs> yeah. uh, is dominating the match early until Lodi pulls him out of the ring and attacks him. The ref just looks straight at this. <laughs> just straight at this happening and it kind of shrugs admits that he's blown his spot and just lets it happen maybe um, raven's rules apply to the entire flock like it's it's growing as a as there's a no way to know the commentators <laughs> make that make that comment as well it's like is this raven's rules and like yeah <laughs> let's, let's say yeah so wrestling makes sense who we know hits a big dive uh on both men uh, back in the ring, and Kidman hits a wicked-looking wheelbarrow suplex. A really nice sequence by Boatman. Uh, some great spots, uh, but I found them a little boring. Like they're just—it's just high spot after high spot. UV hits a sunset bomb off the apron, and uh, Kidman hits a low down. I call it—they call it a spine buster. But you know, respect to my boy Dilo Brown yeah. on the top rope for a two count. <laughs> Kidman kicks out of a Hoovy driver. Kidman misses a seven-year itch. Uh, and letting Yubi get enough time to go to the top rope and hit the 450 and buries his knees oh, straight uh, into poor Kidman. Absolutely court. crushes him. With his yeah, knees. I, don't, I don't know how Kidman doesn't miss time after this. Just obliterates Kidman with his knees for the 450. I've never seen... I very rarely see the 450 hit in a way that doesn't just end a person's life, to be honest. Uh, fun little match. Pretty short, but to the point. Uh, what do you guys think of this? Pretty disappointing. I think these guys have better outings. At least we've we've seen better outings from both of them. I know we'll see a lot better from Kidman because uh, from what I remember, he's a really good worker, particularly in these uh, WCW days. It's a couple distracting part parts of the match that just really took me out of it. So when they when they were on the outside, a fan had a wrestling is fake sign, <laughs> and you can only <laughs> see it for like a split second. That. You can tell the guy, the guy in the production truck's like, "Don't pen away, pen away, pen away." Yeah, don't don't dare guy. sit on that. Yeah. <laughs> When the guys are on the outside for a long time, they stayed on like this handheld camera. And I hate mm. how WCW does this. Like the guys on the outside when they're doing handheld shots, he'll try to like get on his knees to get like close up to the action, but it's just gave me a headache. And it, it just really ruined the match for me. Yeah, it wasn't great production. We have complimented their kind of production uh, in that kind of area a couple times. But now that you say it, I've kind of, I'm kind of seeing it more. I, I didn't notice too much at the time, but uh, yeah, I, I think disappointing might be a right term. I think this is a fun match, but uh, nail, nail on the head there, Connor. Both men are known for better matches. It's good chemistry too. Like on paper, this yeah. sounds like a good pairing. Yeah, they'll have better matches for sure. Yeah, n- nice to see the start of Kidman here and his development. Uh, I'm a big Kidman fan, so looking forward to seeing kind of more of his stuff and kind of flesh out more of this. Already looking sharp enough, but yeah, as I said, also maybe. Maybe not a great match structure. It's just look at these cool things we can do in, in five, six minutes, you know. Totally meaningless feud-wise. Like, there's no real reason to have the match, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah, again, this has been the inf- infinite flock feud with anyone that's a face in the mid-card. It's just Yeah, not- Hoovy's just been fighting flock members. It's like, get, yeah. a- yep. get away. Get away, Hoovy. After this, our favorite segment of the night, Lee Marshall in the internet corner with Conan. And he asks uh. him why he's so cool. 
<laughs> Without a hint of irony in his voice. He, he finished the line. He doesn't just say that. I did what, what I have had. He it's says so his cool. catchphrase. Lee Marshall says, Rowdy, oh. Rowdy, Bowdy, Bowdy. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, he does. And everybody me. has to sit there with a straight face as if, like, Tiger Lee Marshall hasn't just said that. Like, <laughs> it's, oh. like it's like Wayne's World. Come bust the groove where the games are chill. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's fresh. It's Noah's Arcade. <laughs> Uh, uh, just Conan says everyone wants to be with the wolf pack which they are very over in fairness and makes <laughs> fun of Lee's shirt the commentators join in on this while wearing the same shirts it doesn't make much sense then Conan says something about his aunt selling fish tacos in the parking lot and was that an innuendo or I don't know wasn't he talking about hydraulics at some point I, I just I, well, you turn on the switch of coolness like you turn on yeah. hydraulics <laughs> Conan's the least cool man I've ever seen in like in existence. He's just, I don't get it. This had to be the worst plug of the internet segment ever. <laughs> yeah, <this is> okay. <laughs> we do get the best match of the night next with Stevie Ray versus Chavo Guerrero <laughs> going to a five-star match. Chavo comes down with a super soaker and a pool tube around him, <laughs> which is compatible <laughs> like rubber duck. And Chavo's really embracing the wackiness. I love it. Uh, this is the first time we've seen Steve in a while. He's been like uh, departed from Booker. He's come back and he's been like concerned of Booker not being tough enough. Uh, he was injured for a while, I think, before this, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, nice to see Stevie back up and running. And uh, it's good to see him get such a good long run out on his uh, his re-debuting. Uh, Chavo dedicates this match to his favorite wrestler, which is Eddie. Eddie has come out with the scissors and threatens to cut his hair when Stevie is done, you know, tearing him apart. After circling around and Chavo hot-dogging for a while, he shakes Ray's hand, he takes it, and Chavo immediately goes down to both knees, screaming and keeping the handshake on, tapping out to a crushed hand, poor Chavo. I hope he's recovered. Uh, and he's saving himself for the Eddie match. Uh, what, what did you think of this brief outing? It's just plot. Like, what? Uh, who cares? <laughs> I, I think I, I was impressed. I thought that was very clever. I thought it, it was creative. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like, it's silly, but it's like works perfectly for Stevie's character, who was very pissed off that he didn't get to beat someone up and was escorted out of the ring. It works for Chavo's character, where they're you know you start questioning: Is he crazy, or is he trying to get like under Eddie's skin? And Eddie is so mad. Eddie is so good at being mad at this as well. I think it's just refreshing, just because I think we've uh, or we've wondered where comedy has been in WCW, mm. and Chavo's finally injected some life into it. So it's just it's just refreshing all around. I think. I like it. And we go straight into the next match. Eddie's out. Chavo's out. Let's have it. It's Eddie versus Chavo. Hair versus hair. Tanae tries to put over how important this is in the heritage of kind of Mexican wrestling. He's also putting over the experience of Eddie over Chavo. And says Eddie's been in, I think, seven of these matches before. Has won 6-1. Has lost his uh, his hair with Art Bar before. And uh, when Tanae is done talking about the Art Bar match with Eddie... Brain just goes, how does he know all this? <laughs> and today he's like, I was there. He's like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I'll give props to the commentary team. I think they're quite good in this show. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think they uh, have lots of little bits, particularly in this match. Uh, yeah, yeah they, when they have things the to work with, it's yeah. it, they, they can do what they can. But when it's filling time with the main event, yeah, it's they struggle. Yeah. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. But it, it's all it's always fun that yeah they're they're talking about these serious things and all this stuff and then Travel's just biting Eddie's butt. 
<laughs> he bites Eddie's butt so much. Chavo outfoxes Eddie for the first like five minutes, maybe two, three minutes of this match. He's biting Eddie's butt. He's taunting him. He's outsmarting him. Eddie begs for the handshake, begs on knees. Chavo agrees, but immediately clotheslines Eddie before he can get anything going. Anything is uh, Eddie is just like fuming, rushes into a big back body drop. When Chavo does some taunting, Eddie kicks the bottom turnbuckle in rage and like acts like he's broken his foot. He does his uh, Eddie does the crawl sprint across the ring, then hugs the ref, and Chavo just runs after him with the same sprint and bites him on the ass again. I, I really like the opening of this uh, this match, kind of completely uh, befuddling the heel of the match. But when Eddie finally gets his hands on Chavo, he grinds it right down. We got classic gory special on Camel Clutch, but obviously uh, created by Eddie's family. And uh, he gets real mean, tries to suplex Chavo on the outside with the padding remove. Good, good heel shtick from Eddie. Chavo tries for a frog splash in the ring. They're both trying to steal each other's signatures move like it's a video game. But Eddie avoids it and hits Chavo's tornado DDT. He gets distracted trying to cut Chavo's hair before the end of the match. I hate this because if you just pin him, you'll literally get to cut his hair. It's a very weird spot. Charles Robinson stops it though, little Nate. Chavo hits his tornado DDT and this time he gets the scissors before winning the match and goes to cut Eddie's hair. But this lets Eddie, in conjuncture with uh, Charles Robinson, holding Chavo back, roll up Chavo for the win. A little bit of a silly ending, I think, but an enjoyable match. Maybe not the best these two have had. What did you guys think of it? I really enjoy it because, as Connor rightly points out, it's actual comedy that is very, very absent a lot in WCW. So this goes by a lot faster. Maybe it's not the best match they'll, they'll ever have, but it goes by a lot quicker because you can enjoy it. It's something different from these two every time as well. Yeah. It's always entertaining to see what these guys can do. So in previous months, we've had actual matches with these guys. This time, we don't need an actual match. Just give us some story. This this felt like actual pro wrestling. The other matches, particularly the like the previous two, it just felt like spots. It just yeah. felt like guys were just doing stuff, doing moves. This felt like this could have been like a WWF match from like the 80s or something like that. It's no surprise. It is one of the few things that has an actual plot line that moved forward. Yeah, both guys, both guys getting their uh, their story in as well. A lot of character driven stuff here. Uh, I I enjoyed it. I think what happens afterwards it doesn't ruin it for me, but it is uh probably takes it a little too far. So Chavo still nuts after getting rolled up, threatens to cut Eddie's hair, and Eddie's like, no, you know the ref, I have to stop it. I get to cut his hair. I won. I won. Chavo picks up the hair clippers and attacks his own hair. Starts shaving, which I have no problem with. But then he sits down in the ring, and shaves, like, 95% of his head. There's only a few patches left. It just, the camera doesn't get off him. It doesn't cut the break. It doesn't cut to the next match. It doesn't, like, cut to him walking down the aisle doing it. He just sits there and shaves his head while talking about Eddie being weird for not coming in the ring and doing it himself. It's it's unsettling. I I think it's on purpose, though. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe, you know, they're trying to go for the he was a clown, but, like, him being crazy isn't funny in the in the end, you know. Yeah. I think, unfortunately, my first top, but maybe me and cynical, is they needed it to go a certain amount of time, and they're like, "No, you got to sh- keep shaving. Yeah, you got two, you got two more minutes. Keep shaving and shouting, Java." But maybe being a bit too critical, I do, I do like what these guys have uh, done. Uh, I'm not sure is if this is the end of their feud, but I am uh, looking forward to seeing what either guy is going to do next. Speaking of a feud that has lasted a while, commentary team explained that. 
Dean can't fight Jericho on their scheduled title match. We've gone over this on the Nitros, but uh, Jericho has uh, is the king of the loopholes and has got out of a match again by getting Dean to hit him and tear out some of his hair on the Nitro. Uh, Dean has been suspended and cannot fight for the title. We'll see what happens when Jericho's segment later because we have a much more important match than that first. We oh, have <laughs> Conan versus Disco Inferno, and it's like... My nightmares coming true. It's like Gus and Connor <laughs> found a time machine. Fantasy book in here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And instead of finding, a, you know, going back in the past and making, instead of making society better, they chose to put on Dave's dream match. Conan versus Disco Inferno. Hook it to my veins. I mean, I think what's funniest about all of this is I could genuinely see them calling an audible with this. Like this was just jammed in in the middle of pay-per-view to try and wake people up. Yeah, yeah. That was, I think this is very much uh, to. They didn't book the Wolf Pack to do anything, and they're like, "Oh, the crowd's asleep, and the Wolf Pack haven't done anything. Just get them out there, make them do something." They have Alex Wright and Inferno butcher Conan's many, many catchphrases. Conan is not the only one that knows the South Hispanic scene. Me and Alex are getting with the lingo of these people. Alex, hit him with some of that. Orale! Orale! Give him more. Arriba la raza! Arriba la raza! Oh, this is sad. They're not even close, are they? Everybody here in Sand Dog knows that the Disco Inferno and Alex Wright are bounty, bounty. Rowdy, rowdy! And then Conan is out with uh, Lex Luger and Kevin Nash to do it right. Kevin Nash doing the catchphrases hurts my soul. He's like such an old white man to be shouting. Not, not only that, West he's like in side. sweats and he's in what? He's, the, he's just in basketball shorts, like <laughs> almost. Just shouting West Side into that mic. Like his paycheck depends on it. The least cool thing I've ever seen, but my God, these guys are over in the crowd are reacting to them. Uh, it's a squash match. It could have been on a thunder. Luger racks up uh, Alex Wright on the outside. Kev hits about 20% of a power bomb on Disco Inferno on the inside. And Conan he probably gets in. the biggest pop of the night for it. He does. Yeah, they go mad for it. He literally is leaving the ring as Inferno is still like rotating in the air to be in the powerbomb position. <laughs> He's like, it's like Wiley Coyote leaving a mark in the wall before the powerbomb is done. Uh, and uh, of course, the most prominent of all the finishers, the Tequila Sunrise to get the top out. <laughs> Which he still manages to fuck up. I, I, he's never done it <laughs> he, has, he has to turn him around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turn him around to turn him around again. <laughs> he, tries, he, he rushes into it for no reason. I don't know. It's like, you have all the time in the world here, Conan. What are you doing? <laughs> they get. They do have cool team music, though. They're massively over here. I mean, the crowd actually reacts to them. You'd swear that they, you know, you should book them. It is lunacy that one of these guys isn't on a like there isn't just a tag match to get them over on the night or something like doing this instead of having a proper match with them seems diabolical with how over they are and really bad booking, but they're still there to pop the crowd, I guess. Diabolical not having Tokyo Magnum on the show. Mm. <laughs> of course. Yeah. The, the best member. Yeah. The best. Been yeah. Well, squash will we'll move on more squashes and pay-per-views, please. WCW. Next uh, match uh, got a little mixed up. So we got Giant versus Kevin Green. 
And this uh, kayfabe was originally supposed to be uh, a tag team match with Kevin Green and Goldberg versus Giant and I forget Giant's partner for this match. Kurt Hennig. Hen- oh, Hennig, of course. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And uh, as I saw someone say, uh, ambitious for Hennig to have to carry three men in one match, so at least it was broken up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, let's call it two. Kevin's okay. <laughs> we, we all know, yeah. Eric yeah. Bischoff hates tag team wrestling, so he's like, no, two singles matches. Yeah. That's true. This is, um, yeah, I don't think this match actually needs to be divided. Obviously, the match was divided up because Goldberg needs to defend his title at this pay per view. But that match is so, you know, lacking any kind of real build because it's completely changed how Goldberg is perceived by winning the title in the last Nitro that you could have just had in a tag team match, I think. But. They have divided yeah. the the matches, and uh, this one's short. They're both they both end up being very short. Green does his. Uh, I, I think we complimented Green when we saw him wrestle before. This is someone said his fifth professional wrestling match. Apparently on commentary, I don't know if that's true. Sounds about right. I think we've had him like two or three times now. Yeah, yeah. it's at least two. And he had a match before, like right before the podcast started. So that sounds like it checks out. That could be true then. Uh, he just uses his speed to run around Giants, slapping him in the face, running outside, kicking the rope when Giant tries to get back in, like the bait and switch, the whole thing. Green does a great job selling when Giant actually gets on the offensive. He takes some actual bumps. And again, professional athlete getting paid millions of dollars and he's just taking proper bumps. Green hits a very nice flying clothesline, very snug one. Uh, and then he goes for chop blocks on the Giant and kicks to the leg. But when he goes for a three-point uh, stance for a big flashy finish, Giant catches him by the throat. Massive choke slam. Massive big bump off the choke slam for a three count. And another glorified squash. But an interesting way to try and get Green over, I think. Uh, or a, green, a good match out of Green. What were, what were your guys' opinions on Green's, like, I think, third outing on the podcast? Uh, very mixed. So, the, so there's there's some confusing things in the... Uh... Looking at it as as a whole, the matchup, I thought it put Giant over nicely, but I can think that's where it comes down to the most confusing part of the match for me is so one Giant isn't smoking. I thought that was his new gimmick. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, but, I was disappointed um, by that. Two, he also gets like pyro, lots of yeah. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I I would not be able to tell Giant was in the NWO except he has the music. Is he a heel? Because the crowd was like popping for him. Like I don't know what what this is. Smoking's cool. <laughs> well he was the face in this match i don't i don't get it like what 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 was this like what is giants like on tv like what what did, yeah he doesn't they don't have a character for him really he just like he's just dismissive and arrogant as far as it gets when he has the smoking why the fuck would you turn him then i i don't know i, I don't understand they just didn't know what to do with him i guess i guess going outside of the regular rounds of wrestling hogan knew he couldn't beat him mm-hmm. and didn't want him anywhere near him because obviously he'd get shown up or whatever. So I wouldn't be shocked if he's just been politicked out into the oblivion. It is funny seeing his career grow this way from such a, I think I've said this in an episode before, but from such an early point, because obviously later big show in WF, he gets a lot of comments that it's kind of unfair that he just, his direction changes weekly. Like there's no long-term storytelling. And a lot of time I've had conversations with friends like, well, that's just the downside of being a big guy when you're not in territory days. Like you can't, like you can't just beat everyone. So what do you do with them? I'm like, well, you certainly don't turn them every week. Like you certainly give them a character that isn't just I'm big, and <laughs> that seems to be all they're doing with the poor guy. Like I, I think this he does a good job with Green here. I think he's done good jobs in other episodes we have. Just give him an actual prolonged storyline. 
I think the intent was to have him and Goldberg interact, and that was the that was the plan. They were going to have him, and Goldberg would be able to stand up to him, and everyone would go nuts. But it does make sense. You're like, yeah, that's a good progression. Like, Kurt's the one who's been trying to angle for the title shot, and then they just beat up Kevin Green because fine. And that's how they get the tag match because Goldberg was a football player and actually played with Kevin for a brief period of time. That's literally the entire entirety of the feud. I, they don't really talk to each other or anything like that. It does feel so, like a waste of Kevin Green, though. Yeah, it, it does. Like, But I, I don't understand why they, they changed it to singles matches. Like, I don't see why that was necessary. I, I will say, at least this is putting Giant over a little. Like, Green, like, threw everything he had at him and just yeah. one choke Sammy's done. So, I, I, I do get it's a waste of a celebrity appearance, but I like that Giant is going over strong. Yeah, oh, I mean, you can't have Kevin win. There's no... Once uh, it's a singles match, there's no, there's no reason to have him win in the slightest, so... And that's exactly why you swerve him, bro. <laughs> oh, God. Vince, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> after this uh, very short outing uh, we go back to the internet corner yeah with Kurt Hennig yeah Hennig says his experience in his cardio will beat Goldberg and uh, I love the old school kind of promo here Lee Marshall kind of gives him a tough time I assume this is all ad-libbed he's like does Goldberg really have a weakness and Hennig's like yeah I have like 20 years experience on the dude and I have a lot of cardio I've wrestled a lot of long matches he hasn't he's barely ever wrestled over two minutes I can go all he- night yeah, I can line. I can go all night. It's a fantastic line. 60-minute man. But he's like, yeah, Lee Marshall is just giving him shit. I'm like, let him cut his promo, Lee. <laughs> I think it's good. I think it's a really good, effective yeah. promo. Much better yeah. than Conan, whatever that yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, Hennig being a professional here really maybe putting a bit of doubt in your mind. Like maybe Hennig has what it takes experience to beat Goldberg. Maybe being a little too shoot comment to you, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. That's the main thing. Uh, after this, Jericho comes to the ring in a cane and top hat, and he's going to give us a, a little sh- soft shoe routine because Dean has wrecked the match by getting uh, himself suspended. Which, in which he had game. promised, by the way. If, the I don't soft think, shoe? Yeah, I don't think it was on that Nitro. I think it might have been before. But he, he promises that he's like, if Dean can't keep his hands off me, I don't know what I'll do. Maybe I'll show up and I'll dance for you guys. Mm. And he outlines exactly what he's going to wow. do. Yeah. That's so funny. The funniest thing here to me is Jericho going a one, a two, a one, two, and going for the dance. And it just pans over to JJ Dillon in the corner. And he's like, what are you doing here? You ruined it. <laughs> what are you doing, Jojo? <laughs> Jojo. Sorry, uh, sorry, dude. Backtrack just slightly to uh, right before this, they have straight replays of footage. It's It's not a promo oh, yeah, package yeah. or anything yeah it's just literally just like straight up replays it's like come on, oh guys. yeah lazy again yeah they don't they do that a couple times in this episode actually mm-hmm. i have the other ones noted but i don't have this one noted uh just literally replays as if you're watching a raw or nitro yep. welcome to my entire journey of watching a uh, thunder <laughs> nitro every week <laughs> oh it's Did a replay you? again great <laughs> uh, yeah it could have been just like hey maybe snippets from like the past like two months of this whole feud no just the replay of the footage from last week yeah exactly yep. the hair pulling that we've covered in the last episode just again jj dylan is out uh to say sorry to jericho he's saying if he like he's the first person that would be saying sorry if he ever did wrong uh dylan says that all the fans must be so disappointed that they don't get to see some jericho action jericho cutting in going yeah the jericho holics jericho holics which is great so jj dylan has graciously scoured uh the earth for a contender here 
and said he couldn't find anyone on short notice except, as Jericho puts it, an indie jabron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last minute, an indie bro, a local. He hasn't even wrestled in six months. Jericho says, as long as it's no DQ, he'll still wrestle the match. Of course, he'll give the fans what he wants. And it's Ray back from his knee injury. Yeah, we haven't seen him in so long, and I, I love this setup to fool Jericho into defending his title against the indie jobber. To also give them credit, because God knows they probably won't bring this up on Nitro. They actually laid the groundwork for this to make it legit. Because he wrestled a midget who he claimed was Rey Mysterio. And not only did he wrestle him, the, the midget beat him to become the number one contender. So <laughs> technically, Rey is the legit number one contender because of what Chris did earlier in the month. That's so good. So it actually is actually has been built up and it's been referred to when you think. So I, I got to give them credit for that. I assume Chris was the one that came up with that. This is brilliant. This is a brilliant way to bring Ray back. I actually didn't know this is how they reintroduced him uh, going into this. A shame about the match. Well, he's not healthy. There's no yeah. way he's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> he's still heavily braced in his knee. The commentators pointed out, but Ray definitely weighs a couple extra pounds here. He is jacked. He is it's put on awkward a lot of too, mass. They, yeah, they, they say, oh, he looks great, particularly his tan. <laughs> Look at his tan. <laughs> his tan. <laughs> And he's Ugh. limping and botches a move like right away. He botches so much. They brawl into the sand. Apparently on the, is it 82 Weeks, his name, the Bishop 83, podcast? Yeah. 83, sorry, 83 Weeks. 83. 83 Weeks. They say they made it no DQ because they didn't want Ray doing all this crazy normal stuff. They wanted just a brawl and an end because they were afraid of re-injuring his knee. Makes sense. So he immediately botches some moves. He tries to do a Hurricane Rana off of the the lifeguard stand and he just buries his face in the sand because there's not enough room. Yeah. Yeah, He barely hangs on the first one on the, the around the apron. He nearly creams himself there as well. Oh, and this is, this is the best piece of commentary ever too. (laughs) Oh, the sand. (laughs) sand. Oh my God. It's the best, the best line I've ever heard from. It's Tony, right? It's Tony. It's Tony. It's Tony. (laughs) Oh, right on the sand castle on that pyramid. That's actually a pretty soft landing, but you know that sand has got to be irritating. Up on top, Ray Mysterio Jr. <laughs> and it gets everywhere. It's rather soft, yeah, but it gets it's everywhere. Be irritating. Put <laughs> the next sand, guys in the ring, maybe. Sand, sand. <laughs> <laughs> Dean comes to the ring, which doesn't distract Jericho at all. But then Ray rolls through a lime tamer attempt to pin Jericho for the win and the title. Jericho doesn't care and immediately runs away from Dean because Dean's looking to beat him up. Dean runs to the back to avoid Malenko, but Arn Anderson stops him and Mm. Dean beats him up. But the TV crew isn't sure who to show because you want to show Dean getting his, you know, getting his hands on Jericho finally. But also you kind of got to show your new champion in the ring. So we get like a couple seconds of each instead of a dedicated of either of them. <laughs> a couple of things. Dean got merch. He did. He actually oh, has merch. quite the merch. I, yeah, I noticed <laughs> um, this too. Just say, say what's on the back of the shirt. It's eyes as ice, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Nice. Mad, mad stuff. Oh yeah, the intrigue is around Arn because Chris Benoit originally had been trying to talk to Arn over the previous month about getting the horsemen back together. Arn kept telling him no. And then he's disappeared. But he's been kind of 
been seen a couple of times and now he's like kind of interacting with Dean. So it's kind of very suspicious about what's going on. I love the way he's kind of like, oh, I'm just in the way. Sorry. Just happened to be standing in front of you. So a little bit of intrigue and kind of a bit of a plot point there. Dean would make a, a pretty perfect horseman in fairness. I, I know there is stuff there later, but Dean is a pretty good candidate yeah. for that role. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I will say a bit of spoiler we'll we'll talk about in the next episode as well. Ray does not hold on to the title. The King of the Loopholes says because Dean gets involved in this match, I think it's the very next Nitro, that he uh, that the nat- match has to be null and void because there is another stipulation in the WCW Amazing. Magma Carta or something or whatever it is <laughs> that if a suspended wrestler gets involved, everything is is done. Weird rule, genius. Yeah, hangs on to the title for another couple weeks, but we'll talk about that more in the next episode. What What did you guys think of the match overall, though? Yeah, it's all smoke and mirrors. I enjoy it because of the plot, and I enjoy what Chris is doing. He seems to be in command of his storyline, so there's a lot. Go- there's a lot that you can get from it. So again, I enjoy that more, like Eddie and Chavos. But the actual match itself, it's not good. Ray, God only knows how how early Ray has come back, but it's definitely too early. I feel the same. Uh, things I, I, I that really I didn't like. I thought maybe Ray coming back would have been worth it, particularly for the pop that he gets, but he gets a very lukewarm reception. Yeah, for a guy who's supposedly from that place. I, I have noted as well, I think his music is really bad to get pops yep. from. Yep, yep, yep. True. So uh, it was part of the it was part of the crowd, and I think it's just part of the his presentation as well. Because I mean, Ray was a, he's a crowd favorite the first year of the podcast that we were doing this. So I, I was actually very surprised with the reception, and I was actually very surprised with the lack of heat for Jericho as well. So you telling me that he gets the belt back, I'm actually happy because I, I thought that wasn't like a proper come up and come up proper and celebration that he finally like gets the belt off him. So uh, I guess all around, I guess it works out in the end. But yeah, I, when when watching this, I was very let down. Yeah, I, I literally have that noted as well, Connor. That uh, Ray's music is really hard to pop to. So I think there's a little bit of the pop as the music starts, but like you can't really cheer to like basically what sounds like the noises from Psycho when they're stabbing. It's 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 no six one nine booyaka booyaka, <laughs> and, and I can it's make true. fun of that music all I want, but it is like big noise. You do not make fun of POD, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it is just like a nice big Strong loud lines. noise. You know, it's, P- it's... P- POD is great. Shut up, POD <laughs> is great. I'm I'm being genuine here. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah, they're great crack uh, for uh, early two thousands Christian metal. but yeah like i didn't know how to react either i'm like and as i said this was a surprise i saw the the names obviously i saw the match name before going into the podcast but still i'm like oh this makes so much sense and jj dylan cuts a pretty good promo to set it up and i'm like he does the story is awesome but the match is like minus two stars it's it's bad even jericho botches in it i think he's supposed to catch a frankensteiner and put it and, and try a lime tamer Ray just kind of, he kind of misses catching Ray and Ray just kind of falls to the floor and he just goes, okay, let's line tamer. Let's just start sticking on. It looked fine, but yeah, even Jericho wasn't wrestling well tonight. Yeah, I, th- I thought the commentaries didn't sell the reception either from Ray coming in. Mm. They kind of did, but they, you could tell they, they just weren't 100% in it and not bringing those story threads through and through to just, just you know, Jericho carrying the mask with him and wearing Ray's shirt. Like they, they really could have built up like, Ray's pissed. Ray wants to fucking get him. So I think that that element of it was just a real big letdown. And I will say, even 
you know, botches happen, bad nights happen, but you could have protected Ray by having him do like no high flying moves, just like it's no DQ match. Have him grab a chair and just go to town. Yeah, that's a very Jericho. common thread with this whole night. I think the booking was just I don't know what they were thinking with a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah, just left too much uh, to hope here that uh, that his knee would be fine, and it, it just it just obviously isn't. I think Gus is right. He's just here too soon, unfortunately. Next match of the night, though, uh, I think a little different, but uh, some interesting stuff going on. It's Booker T versus Bret Hart. We talked about this on the last episode. Bret Hart is uh, not quite a member of the NWO. He's kind of like a oh, subsection. He is. He is. He, they never make it official. He does have their music for this episode. He has their music. He's like the recruiter. He's been like badgering Booker T and a couple others. On paper, though, love this matchup. Love this feud. Yeah, I was excited. I think this they, their styles actually probably go really well together, and this match doesn't go long, but I, without jumping on too much here, I do enjoy it. Booker is still the TV champion that's being defended here. Lots of small touches early on in the match to make Booker look strong. Love the spot where uh, Brett tries to get some momentum and reverses a hip toss, but Booker T just reverses the reversal and hip tosses Brett out of the ring, which uh, used to be a DQ in WCW. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, but makes Booker look great. Brett works on the back and picks him apart uh, a little, like he does typical setting up for the sharpshooter kind of thing. I enjoyed Bobby's commentary with this. Yeah, I mean, but during this, you kind of forget that Bobby actually was a wrestler at one point, <laughs> but he does show off his bit bit of knowledge there. He's like, as soon as I see that back, and I'm right on it. I'm, that's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to do that atomic drop, and then he names a bunch of Brett's moves. Yeah, he's like, just do all these things and just keep at it. It's like cool. Booker doesn't sell the back for too long. He gets some of his heat, uh, heat back uh, with a Harlem side kick, an axe kick, and a missile drop kick. It's his go-to sequence uh, we've seen develop over the last couple of years. Brett just uh, gets his foot to the rope for the two count after the missile drop kick. And Brett is so good at that. It is like 2 and 0.9 before that foot hits the rope, and the crowd really hates it. Uh, and Booker, he's not obviously like close to the ropes either. Like He's just yeah. close enough as well. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, it's just like he could miss it. You know, it's, I, I feel anxious. He, he could miss it. He could miss the spot. Brett is eno- has enough of this. He pulls himself out of the ring angrily after a two count, picks up a chair, and when Booker tries to jump out after Brett, just waffles him in midair, just clatters him for the DQ. He's not having Booker out wrestle him today. Brett, uh, Brett keeps the attack up after the DQ, and he goes after the knee. He, he hits him a bunch of times in the leg in the back with the chair and he gets the patented figure four on the turnbuckle and just has it in for longer than some of the matches on this card just sits there with booker figure four around that turnbuckle that can't be pleasant and stevie ray where the fuck is vicky (laughs) where is vicky (laughs) stevie ray saunters to the ring in disgust and he barely breaks it up he kind of shoves brett aside loosely it's a teaching man yeah, he, he's just shaking his head so much. I think it's so funny. And when he, when uh, the doctor comes in to help Booker, he's like, "No, come on, leave him. He can walk." <laughs> like drags him back, limping. I think uh, I think a real kind of funny ending. But a uh, short short match, and maybe not seeing too too much beyond second gear from these folks. But uh, what do you think of the match, guys? I don't get this match. No, <laughs> I, I don't either. I don't understand why it ends the way it does. Now maybe you guys have some other knowledge I'm not privy to, but I don't understand why they couldn't have had a full match and had an actual finish. It doesn't make any sense to me. It is all because Booker T is injured and he will be gone until November. 
But that makes a bit more sense then. Yeah. But still, like to have Bret Hart do this, it's kind of weird. Because Bret Hart, he's still not really established in WCW still. Like he hasn't had like any extended feuds and he's still kind of lost. Like if you want to like have the NWO gang up on Booker, great. Do that. Yeah. Have this be like a nitro angle. What what I think is a little weird here is why not have Brett win the title? Why not have Brett injure Booker's leg or something? Be the reason you win the match. Then you have Brett with a title and actually doing something on TV, putting over a bunch of jobbers by just having matches with them, you know, putting over a bunch of the mid-card guys by having great matches with them. Uh, and then when Booker comes back, you can be like, I want my title back. It's like, it's a classic, but instead... Gives direction for both guys, yeah. Yeah, it gives direction I, I don't for get it. Yeah, like, it's a very short match, but Brett's fucking great. He gets, like, his shit in. Booker makes a great comeback in the match. It doesn't get beyond second gear, but you can tell these guys would be good, I think, in a full-length match together. And we just get a little taster, and it's over to, I guess, further storylines. Maybe they didn't know he'd be out as long as he ends up being out. Unfortunately, we only get Booker twice more on the podcast, once in the World War, where we're probably barely going to see him. And then on our very last episode, the very last Nitro we cover, is going to see Booker. Yeah, this is a sh- shame because he's been like one of the the shining moments of 1998 for us. Him and Chris Benoit had had that long feud. Unfortunately, Benoit's also going to be the same treatment. He's going to be hurt for the next couple months too, and we won't see him until the last episode. So it's two like big mid carders for WCW. That's that's hurting, and they 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 sorely need some some talent in the mid card right now. The two guys that you thought might have been pushed through to like the upper mid card main event scene over the next two years or so. And now they're going to be shelved and lose all their momentum. Actually, real poor timing for them. And ironic that these guys hadn't had that like big match set against each other, and now they're both gone. So talking about the vignettes we uh, talked about earlier, we got one that just rehashes Goldberg's win. And again, very lazy put together, just a direct replay of what happened, something you'd see on a Nitro or Raw. Not a big fan of this, but we do have Buffer out to make the introduction for the last two matches. Because they're both main events, no matter what. You know, they're both main events. We, we don't need the World Championship to go on the last. We know it's a main event. It's a main event. Kurt Hennig versus Goldberg is announced first. And Hennig is out uh, first with no Rick Rude. No. Mm. Hennig looking in great shape. We commented on he wasn't in the best shape coming into the co- uh, company, but is looking great now. Typical Goldberg with blood on his forehead for his entrance because he's headbutted a locker too hard. It's ridiculous. Doesn't notice it. I think he might be concussed. His eyes look a bit big during the match to me. And I wonder how many concussions this man had in his life. Hennig pumping like a madman for Goldberg and making him look like a million bucks or trying to. Hennig, after getting thrown around, works the leg of Goldberg for a while, hits a perfect plex, but Goldberg just casually kicks out. Unfortunately, this is a more botchy job by Goldberg than the last couple. He tries his like scissors takedown, he tries to throw around Hennig, and I think if it isn't for Hennig doing his hardest, this is a this is a botch fetch, uh, fest, unfortunately. Goldberg pops up after the fisherman suplex attempt. Spear, jackhammer, and that's all she wrote. Hennig's experience does not bode well in the end, and it's an easy squash victory for Goldberg. What do you guys think of this after the highs of Goldberg winning his title in our last episode? This might be the most disappointing just because Hennig, I expected way more out of him, especially when he talks about his experience. So I don't know. There was, there was a lot of details in this that just really bothered me. Hennig going for the, the knee for like two seconds. It was quickly forgotten about. Also, like the previous two matches also like 
did knee work, so it was just a lot of the samey booking really bothered me. I get they want to keep him strong, but I don't get why he can't be the underdog for like a bit of like you don't want to put him in a long match. Have him sell for five minutes, even five minutes. Have it actually look like Hennig might have picked apart his knee that he can barely walk. And then it's still impressive when he pops up out of nowhere and does his finishing shtick. I think and, you're forgetting who's in the main event and mm. uh, how much time they want to take because that match is not short. <laughs> There's a yeah. good 40 minutes for the main event. I know. it's um, It was it was a painful look when I l- looked down on the network. What? You're minutes? like, There's how much time left? Oh, I did. No. The, that's so funny. I did the same. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. It says it's a ten minute match or whatever on the wiki. Why is there why is there forty minutes? <laughs> My God. <laughs> so I, I would wonder if it's not been kept deliberately short, because they probably didn't want to get shown up. That doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility to me. So yeah, one one aspect that I don't maybe it's just because of the Bash of the Beach set or something like that, but we don't get the full security backstage entrance. Maybe they WCW just hasn't realized that should be a part of his oh, entrance full time, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. another way you can pad time. You, you, you undertaker the shit out of this. You, you find <laughs> ways to extend your, your program without having to actually yeah. wrestle. Like I'm, I'm surprised there's literally no NWO shenanigans in this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Really, really odd. It, it just kind of feels like a TV main event that Goldberg has been doing for the last six months or whatever. So yeah, really, really disappointing when you think about it. The crowd obviously still pops for him, but, and I'll give him a little bit of a leeway because obviously they only gave him the title right before. So it's not like they could really build anything, but right. still. Yeah. I, I think you you guys are completely right. Like why, why not just, there's so many different things you could have done like that. That aren't even that creative, but like, why why not just have like a bunch of NWO guys run in and he just beats them all up? Why not have an even more impressive squash, like literally beat Hennig without Hennig doing a move? Why is it structured the exact same as every Nitro match he's ever had? Just lack of any creativity. And it, as I said at the start of the show, it's almost as if they've already forgotten who's making them, like who's their big draw is already, you know, just because Malone and uh, Ting are on the card. And I think that's real, real frustrating. A, a vignette is played right before the main event, telling us why the main event is the main event. Great timing. Awesome does it timing. though? No. It does agreed. it really explain anything? It no, really doesn't. So. No, it it's doesn't. Re- and again, really lazy, just the exact cut together of what we've seen literally in our last episode. <laughs> Could you imagine just watching that pay-per-view and one of the first shots is that big tanker and you're like, what the fuck is going, what on? Is going on? Would have been yeah. nice to have like audio of those clips, but no, it's just music and yeah images or you know footage vehicular manslaughter attack they're the faces <laughs> ddp and malone are dressed the exact same and i basically ignore buffer's nonsense as he's talking oh but he has a great line though that it's it's a tag team match bigger than any title trophy or championship belt mm. Mm, uh, yeah i bet all man, uh, men involved would say the same fuck right off <laughs> <laughs> I actually find it really hard to take notes on this match. I did it a couple times. I went over it a couple times. They just do basic shit that lasts 40 minutes. I'm telling you, like, the first 10 minutes of the match involve a push, an arm drag, and a clothesline. And that and is several it. tags. And several tags. And that is it. And I get what they're trying to do. These guys are mil- worth millions of dollars. Their bodies and their health are worth millions of dollars. I get that they can't do a lot. But they're in the ring for so long. 
my god, darn. the only the, the first thing that happens that's remarkable is Rodman does two leapfrogs to DDP and then clashes heads with him and I'm pretty sure knocks him out. I'm pretty sure Rodman gets actually knocked out. I haven't been able to find anything to support that, but it's just so much time wasting and headlocks. I guess a highlight is Malone actually scoop slams Rodman at one stage. Yeah, that was cool. That was kind of cool. That popped the crowd who was quiet for most of this match or when an actual move happens. And again, there's like five of them. The disciple hits a stunner and that ends the match. That's what I have noted. The apocalypse. It's called the apocalypse. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I, I wish I had more to give. I, I, I wish I could cover the match better, but it is just some hip tosses. Rodman interferes sometimes and is cheeky. There's diamond cutters hit by Malone. The ref is distracted by the sheer number of diamond cutters being hit. So the disciple <laughs> hits the apocalypse on DDP. That gets the win because the, the disciples finish is so strong. I guess DDP took maybe five moves the whole match. And then Carmelone is mad and doesn't understand what losing is. So hits a, hits a diamond cutter on the disciple. Uh, I mean, he was and, used to losing, so. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Malone. And then, gotcha. <laughs> and then he hits. A diamond, uh, diamond cutter on the ref, which pops the crowd for some reason. Cool, got to get the the main the mainline wrestler over. Oh wait, he doesn't wrestle at all. <laughs> Atrocious. I fell asleep multiple times during the first watching and had to rewatch it because I needed to take some notes and found there was no notes to be taken of the match. There is a lot to talk about, though. Uh, first, yeah. I, I guess we'll, we'll say that uh, the end, how the pay-per-view ends is the NWO walk glacially slow down the ramp while talking into the camera, while the commentary <laughs> tried to talk over it. I couldn't understand either side of what they were saying. <laughs> yeah. And DDP and Malone also walk through the crowd at the same time. So everybody goes their separate ways trying to get over. And it's, uh, yeah, great ended. And, and no one does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. There's a there's a lot to dissect here. I think because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, obviously I agree with Dave. There's like nothing to dissect. Like move by move. There's no psychology or anything here. I think when we when we talked earlier about booking, I think when you go into this match thinking of like what you have in these two guys, why do we not start with DDP and Hogan? Yeah, because Malone and Rodman they decide to start the match. And they, you know, they they just stall and circle around for ages and stuff like that. But what you should be building towards is the tag for Malone and Rodman, because like those are your two stars that you're building up. Yeah, that you haven't seen before. Right. Well, and these are two legit guys that have like tangled up in the NBA Finals, like literally a couple weeks ago. Like that's really cool. Let's see that. Yeah, com- completely agree. I, I I get what they're doing. We're trying to start the other two men in the match and get the crowd hot because the crowd is ice fucking cold by the time these men make it to the ring but it makes it worse how many laps of the ring do you think they do just get more cardio in that's all it's more than 10 it's more than 10 i lost count it is so many and i get that they're trying to also build like rodman as this rascal who's slipping out and malone as this like you know great face you really want to cheer for him but like it doesn't work It, it kills the crowd they kill the crowd in the first 10 minutes by having those guys in the ring so much i think i think what bothers me more too is wcw knows how unreliable rodman is at this point too yeah because if you know rodman and his career this is like the point where his career just goes through a tailspin like he doesn't go back to the bulls and he just gets um he goes around he bounces around a couple teams i think it's like one or two teams but 
all he does is party and his his health just goes goes down the tank just goes down the shitter because he's had a really troubled life so it's just once he loses direction being under with the, the jordan and the bulls like he just kind of tailspins and it's it's actually quite sad but this is kind of the start of it and i think he no shows the nitro before this which people can argue that's like a an unfortunate thing for WCW, but I was like, eh, whatever. Like, cause I think the focus should have been on Goldberg anyways. Yeah. But yeah. you should know that this guy's unreliable. He was not, not in shape or he didn't really care about the match really. So like you should not have him wrestling sequences in this match, not like almost hurt DDP in the process. So I think that's just even more foolish when you think about it even more. Yeah, Elise Malone, like he isn't given much to do, but what he does, he does well. I, I do have noted that when he's doing, when they're isolating Malone, he sells, you know, like it's the same bump over and over. They've obviously taught him how to bump safely one way, but he bumps, you know, he, he struggles to get to DDP. He tries to build tension, which as the commentators point out, doesn't work because he has the longest wing span of a human being in existence. <laughs> so he can just tie DDP from the middle of the ring if he really wanted to, but it's the inexperience, know, Dave. The, yeah. ex- the inexperience that doesn't let him know his arms are long. Lack of spatial awareness, you know, <laughs> yeah. so noted in basketball players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like awful. But, I get he's trying. You can tell that Malone yeah. is enjoying this. You can tell him he is, Malone and, and, that, is and that's, dedicated. that's right. And that's how they they had Malone do the, do this whole thing. He or DDP was at it like at a basketball game, and they kind of Hit they met off. up, and DDP noticed how how big of a wrestling fan is. So yeah, it does not surprise me that that Malone really showed up, and he put his working boots on for for this one. I mean, he wears gear. Yeah, <laughs> Robin's basically wearing a t shirt and jeans. Uh, it is just jeans. He's just bought like it's wrestling boots and it's just jeans. It's so yeah, annoying. Like, and not not following the NWO order. It's 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 a white t shirt. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, really it's just whatever. Yeah, it's. I think that annoys me a bit. And at first, I thought it was just his character, but he botches a couple times. And he's inexperienced. It's not completely his fault. But the botches could have been dangerous. I think he gets himself knocked out. I think Hogan like punches Malone while uh, Rodman's holding him and Rodman somehow takes a bump, like falls from the impact of Hogan's punch. And the commentator's like, Oh, that shows you, you know, we, when we tell you Hogan's tough, he's tough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, It's weird. And speaking of uh, the kind of party animal that, it, that uh, Rodman was at the time, didn't he get into trouble? I, I can't remember if we said in this on the last episode, doesn't he skip training to hang out with Hogan? Yeah. I, I, I mentioned that. So he, yeah. He skips a basketball practice during the NBA finals, no less. We're talking about practice. We're talking about, <laughs> hey, wow, Dave <laughs> pulling out the sports references here. <laughs> Who said that? I, I can't remember. Oh, <laughs> oh, you don't even know? Oh, I just man. remember, I remember the oh, interview man. was hilarious. It's Alan like, Iverson. Miss- yeah, oh, it's, it's Iverson. Iverson. It's going over the heads of all of our audience, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's... I think you're right, and at this point, WCW should probably be avoiding... Like, they've got their big payoff with them now. They should probably be distancing themselves a bit. But I have a feeling if it's up to Hogan, that will not be the case. So, do you think it worked for them to have this match? They got a lot of publicity from this. So, it's just a pop a unfortunately. Yeah. And it doesn't help Hogan or DDP build into something else. So I, in, in that sense, I think it's a huge failure because when you compare it to something like how WWF used Tyson, they mm. understood what they had in Tyson. They knew they couldn't really fully trust him. 
But in the end, it helped launch Austin as this champion and just grows into something else. And they they can feed off of that publicity. But as we see with WCW, it's just going to be more of the same in our next episode, too. So just know that I, I guess in the end, it does. It doesn't work. But at the same time, I said in the previous episode, I don't think I know. I don't think I get into WCW without this angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. What What, what is like, does it does it work? It worked as a media level, like it popped a pay-per-view. It got eyes on the product, but do they convert it into something good? Like Connor says, do they use that? Did it, does it propel them forward? No, I don't think do so. No, <laughs> yeah. I think this is very short-sighted, eyes on the prize, let's make as much money as possible kind of thing, and is then used in the wrong fashion when whenever they get the results of it. Yeah, I think they're just short-sighted because they're thinking about this, hey, it's Rodman and Malone, Rodman and Malone, yeah. but... When you look back at this a little bit, this is DDP back in the main event. And that's something that just gets kind of overshadowed here. This is a guy that's like in the biggest match of his life. He's not used to doing press conferences like for for matches. Hogan's used to this type of sort of stuff. But, you know, DDP, this should be that should be part of the story of DDP is getting a real shot here. I know he had he had the feud with with Macho, but this is definitely a different level for him. And I feel Um, like they, they could have built story elements from this, but. It really was not utilized. And what happens to him? He gets punked out and he takes the pin. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was literally going to say the same thing. Why isn't any of this storyline, ooh, this is the first time uh, Hogan has uh, fought DDP. Like, this is the first time they're going head to head. And is Hogan hiding behind Rodman and Malone? Is he creating a buffer? That's never asked. It's just all Rodman and Malone. All Rodman and Malone. And this was probably a great chance to get some exposure for DDP because Hogan doesn't need it. You know, oh, but he does, Dave. <laughs> he just lost the belt. Yeah, that's the sad thing. <laughs> but, uh, we, I want to talk about that a little. I think absolutely the wrong team won here. I guess I couldn't care less. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's the right team that won, it's definitely the wrong guy to get pinned. There's yeah. no, I don't understand why DDP takes the pin. How, how, in my mind, before I saw the result, I'm like 100% DDP gets the pin or Oddman, right? What a headline that would be, like Diamond Cutter finishes Rodman or whatever. No, just fucking DDP taking the pin to a disciple <laughs> finisher. As I learned when you were talking about it, it went Apocalypse, end of days. It all makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> the strongest Guys, finisher. Wrestlers, anybody who's listening to this, you need to name your finisher after the end of times. <laughs> and it will be one of the most <laughs> over and protected moves ever. There's a lot of weird choices and i think unfortunately a lot of them come back to the forbidden word politics right like i don't think hogan's taking two losses in a row i think there's you know that well we can't have our superstars these like these like larger than life athletes take a loss either we don't want that in the media so it's almost like ddp is forced to be the person to take the loss here it's not like he can afford infinite losses like he's not going to stay hot forever goldberg's already kind of overshadowing his rise yeah i it that that part doesn't really bother me as much yeah yeah i just i think he's on the wrong side now because he's still a face and goldberg's they're obviously not going to turn goldberg heel so who's he going to wrestle like he doesn't have there's no path for him right now once they make the decision to move to goldberg he's kind of screwed for at least a little while yeah and and the fact that it was just ed leslie doing this if the whole entire NWO was out as well. Like it, it would have seemed yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. So again, uh, the, the inconsistency with that faction, it just, it's, it gets so tiring 
especially like we, we're gonna have to endear more of it too which is even more frustrating they they come on at the end too it's like if they're not in the building fine yeah but, but no they're there, they're there to, yeah. to celebrate like this should be a party for the nwo we got rodman he's like the biggest notorious partier like in the whole nba like we should use that element but again it's just it's too short-sighted we're, we're not gonna think deeply about this so again yeah. details and then, not well, not using them it's this whole thing if they don't care if they don't put the effort into details we're not gonna care right yeah. and i don't I, th- I think you're right when i asked the question did the wrong team win and you said I, I don't i don't give a fuck i think you're right i didn't give a fuck i was half asleep you know <laughs> i've been investing in other storylines even though i know the outcomes i want to see the minutiae i'm really interested in eddie's like little stuff he adds to matches and i'm really interested to see that but Halfway through this match, I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever watched. And I would like to not be watching it anymore. And it was very clear that the people involved, or at least some of the people involved, I think, as I said, Carl Malone did a quite quite a good job. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> and it just oozes like the like WCW's like desperate to just take the shine off these two stars as well. I guess that happens a lot of times with wrestling, but this one, I, it just felt more. I, does that make any sense? No, I got you. Yeah, they're just, they're just relying on the marquee names of of these stars, even though these two stars really just kind of are banking off of Jordan, really. Yeah, in reality, <laughs> unfortunately, it worked too well. Mm. Yeah, from that perspective, it, Ooh, um, unfortunately, yeah, because this is the second highest grossing WCW pay per view ever. When I heard that, I'm like, I am shocked. Still, <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I guess it's such a sideshow, like. We have, like, before this, we have had Mania, and we have had people involved, but, like, Mr. T was an actor, and, like, Lopper was, like, just pro, you know, like, pro wrestling, and she's uh, kind of an oddity in, in the music world as well. This is uh, this is after Bam Bam, I guess, as well, right? Bam Bam is, uh, Bam Bam versus yeah, LP is the, only, is, only oh, thing after, close, yeah, yeah. is the only thing close to this, but that, you know, was actually good. That was surprisingly good, so... Uh. I disagree there, but anyway, <laughs> better than better well, than this. Yeah, yeah that, better that, than this. That, that, that's, that's not a high bar, clear. Yeah, yeah. Let's call it surprising. At least what happened. Uh, yeah, sure. So sure. then, when this happens, and basketball is a very different sport, like there is a connection between the wrestling and football. Like the the thoughts of these guys getting physical, I get why I popped the rating. It's just it is a pop again. It's a pop. It's all the WCW stuff. We popped the rating. Job's done. No, what what like what do you do with that? How do you propel forward? What was that for? And it's like, well, to pop the rating to be WWF. So only go. I mean, I assume Hogan tries to get the belt back. That's the next step. <laughs> I, think the, I think the very next day he complains that he doesn't have it. Oh so my god! Have yeah. fun, Gus. Yeah, I mean, th- but that's what I assume. That's the only path back now. He's like, oh well, I should be the champion. Blah blah. And, blah. and that and that's fine. I, but what I think they don't do is, you know, WCW should like roll out the carpet for Goldberg, which I'm 100 sure they don't do. Like, they should make this kind of grandio- grandiose thing of celebrating WCW. Yeah, we mean, have like our best champion ever. He's undefeated. We should have this like big presentation for him and have Hogan like ruin it type of you know type of yeah. thing. But we still haven't heard him talk. Yeah, <laughs> this, this that would be a great time. I don't and again. Maybe this does happen. I haven't seen the show. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But like, you, you don't have to give him much. Like, you don't have to go go out there and talk for twenty five minutes. Right. <laughs> like. That's obviously setting him up to fail, but like it would be nice for him to say something, anything. Yeah, just have Mean Gene and, and Dylan talk for him, and then say, well, "Yeah, you know, what do you think?" And then he kind of shouts, "Who's next?" Well. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they obviously banked all on it going a certain way, and it did, but it doesn't help them in any way long term. I don't understand how it helps literally anybody in that match. I, I yeah, when I saw this and I saw the interaction between Malone and DDP, I assumed this would be a D- DDP carriage, right? 
really you gotta like tease Hogan and DDP for a long time without them interacting much. You get to blame whoever whichever basketball player loses on the loss, and Hogan gets you know if 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 uh, Rodman takes the ping, you get to be like. Well, Hogan never lost. Like DDP can never beat me, kind of stuff. It's a bit of a rehash of the Macho feud, but still, yeah, it's something. That that is what I assumed minimum would happen, and if anything more than that happened, I would have been delighted. But instead, it is it's unwatchably bad, and it it is so disappointing because other WCW stuff is bad, and I will recommend you go see it because it's funny as hell. You know, like look at them attempting to professional wrestle; they are atrocious, and it is funny how bad it is. This is just sad because there was a lot of potential in this pay-per-view, like the card alone and the build, and I don't think any of it met expectations. Yeah, should we, should we go to our final thoughts? Because I, I, I want to bring two words that uh, I think sum up the pay-per-view uh, perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to leave this match in our dust in the annals of our history, uh, of our podcast history here, and I'm going to ask, uh, did you enjoy the show, Connor, and whose side are you on? And those two words are house show. So no, I didn't really enjoy the show. <laughs> this is actually probably one of my least favorite shows, as you could tell from my rants in the beginning of the crowd just not making noise. I, I don't know. Just what was the point? It felt like none of the feuds went anywhere, really. Maybe the Chavo, Eddie, Jericho, and Dean Malenko. <sighs> I'm just kind of disappointed with 1998 so far. This is just, it's been a real slog. And yeah, I, and I can't really figure out whose side I'm on. I, I guess I'm just going to stick with Goldberg because he's he's still with the crowd. He has the new sweet shirt. He finally has his who's, who's next shirt. This might have been the debut for, which was, I thought, cleverly. <laughs> and he wasn't even wearing it. wasn't even wearing it, but I thought, <laughs> you know, pretty clever idea of uh, yeah. Hennig making fun of it. So, yeah, r- rough pay-per-view all, all around. I was I was very disappointed. And I was I was really excited to watch some wrestling, too, because I hadn't watched wrestling like in a few weeks. And this just like really brought me down. So I think that that played a part in with me really hating the show. And how about you, Gus? Uh, what are you doing to show and whose side are you on? I think it's actually insulting to call it house it a house show because house shows I think are better than this, to be oh, honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> we all knew about certain shows. Like, mm-hmm. so when we did sold out or whatever, and everyone's like, oh, this is a terrible show or whatever. In contrast now, like this is by far so much worse than sold out was, I think. Sold out at least was trying to do something. They had like some form of plan or function. This right now is we're making so much money. We don't need to care about what's going on. Yeah. Basically nothing changes over a month outside of Goldberg. As Connor mentioned, the ones who, you know, that you enjoyed, it's evident that they're actually putting effort into their stories and everybody else is just kind of just taking, taking a handy. Obviously there's always been politics and stuff. Cause we know that from WCW, but this has to be, this is the only way I can really explain it in my brain of how badly this has gone because it doesn't make any sense to me why they would run this and then they would switch other stuff around. I just think people are being dickheads behind in backstage and they're going to get away with it because it literally made all the money in the world for them. But it'll come due. I like I don't know why the the Wolfpack were relegated to two and a half minutes in order to beat up Disco Inferno. <laughs> the <laughs> when scourge, they're supposed to, the scourge of Nitro. When you can argue that they are probably the biggest act after Goldberg right now. And they should have been in a prominent position. I don't understand. Fair enough, DDP is in it. DDP is is pretty far up there, but it probably should have been one of the outsider guys wrestling against Hogan. So, yeah, really, really depressing show. This is this might be the worst show I think we've had to watch. Wow. And because I we watched it so far ago, and then we had all their 
break, so I had to go back and watch it, and it was worse rewatching it then because <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe this isn't as bad as I remember. I was like, no, no, this is terrible. And it's yeah, just mo- such a slog. Mo- most of the other bad shows, they'll have one good match. This, yeah. this, I, I don't think the show really does. I don't no. want to watch rewatch any of these matches. Yeah, like none of the guys, even the good spots we pointed out, it's it's because they had like a cool story going. The actual wrestling is just not like yeah. none of them are on. This is probably the worst work grade. It's like everybody got cursed or something <laughs> like on the on the show. Like it's it's so bizarre. I, I can't. I I would have to be on the outsider's side because they managed to avoid the majority of this bullshit. Yeah, again, it's literally just the, like sold out. Yeah, <laughs> and that's literally the most positive thing I can say about it. Big Kev continues to make all the best decisions by not wrestling. <laughs> um, uh, so. Yeah, I, I can just echo what, what you guys say, to be honest. Again, house shows apt, but at least house shows are fun sometimes. They try and have fun, and besides okay. being Chavo... I, I was off the mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no, but I think you're absolutely right. Like how, The house show feel of nothing matters and nothing is leading to anything, yeah. right? It, it, it is the perfect feel yeah. for this show. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm also going to agree with us. I think this is the worst show we've covered. I think the Hog Wilds and stuff were maybe worse, but they were train wreck TV. They were, you know... Don't take your eyes off the screen. This is pretty funny shit. I can watch this once and have a chuckle and joke to my friends about, don't you watch it? I'll just explain it to you. I had to watch it. You know, it's kind of what this podcast was based off a little bit. But I can't, yeah. I, I, this, this is boring. Is, this That's, is boring. And this yeah. is the, this is WCW dying in front of my eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, I didn't think it would be that. All. I thought there'd be a bit more. Like, I don't believe in all the WWE media coverage of this incident, of these incidents. But I'm like, no, this is actually this show getting so bad that if I was a fan, I would stop watching. Yeah, I, I think that that is a good point. I, I think you can see kind of a direct correlation of this show and kind of like the falling apart of the company as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It, yeah. It, th- this is probably the start of it, I'd say. There are 10 either former or future world champions on that show. Yeah. They, they have the talent. This is it. They have the talent. They There's have no the excuse for it being that bad. They have an easy layup of a storyline. There, there's no excuse for them. This is this is an off day, and I hope we see some nice pay-per-views again before it ends. But if this is the track we go down, I'm going to need to start drinking while I'm reviewing. We might have to bring it back at some point. At least for the final episode, I'm, I'm going to bring it back for that. But uh, for now, um, I'll, I'll stay sober. <laughs> but until then, that's us for another edition of the WCW versus NWO podcast. Please don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter under the handle WCW versus NWO podcast. Where else can they find us, Connor? They can find us on patreon.com slash WCW versus NWO podcast where we do our Nitro flashback episodes. So if you want to support us for just $1, you can get access to all those episodes. We also sprinkle in a few other bonus episodes here and there. Also, sportsobsessive.com. We post all our old episodes there. And you can find out some just general wrestling articles there you know, list articles, all the good stuff. So check that one out, sportsobsessive.com. For me, Connor, and Gus, see you next time when the biggest chin in show business faces the biggest ego in wrestling.